Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, this is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to uh, Season 2, Episode 1 of the Marvel Hacks, uh, where we recap uh, kind of comic books here from today and always have a throwback Thursday to some classic X-Men stories. On the line tonight are my two favorite mutants. Uh, mutant number one, it is uh, the Sandman. Sandman, say what's happening. Can you walk to the mutants? We are back. All right. And also on the line tonight is mutant number two. It's Brother Beavis. Hey, yo. Yeah, I sh- you know what? I, I should have threw it to you first, Brother Beavis, because, um, you know, it's almost Black History Month. And, yeah, I know. i got to get one yeah. in before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like the sunsets. <laughs> yeah, you got to go second, uh, you know, for a whole month. So, uh, yeah. So it's been a while since we left you. We left you at the uh, end of almost at the end of Inferno as our cliffhanger for season one. Uh, as we pick up back here with season two, we're still working through some of the Marvel Legacy books. Uh, what we will not be reviewing is Falcon number three. Um, <laughs> quite possibly, yeah, quite possibly the worst book ever. Uh, quote comic book guy, uh, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, so we won't be going there. We will finish up uh, Worlds Collide, the Avengers and Cha- uh, Champions crossover, and uh, we'll jump into a couple of new books that um, have come out here with the Legacy model. But before we get to that, uh, we're going to get to Blurred Notes. If you are a listener to one of our other podcasts, you know, Blurred Notes is a part of the Brothers Comics podcast, but now we're kind of moving it to the comic book show because it's kind of more, it fits here, so... Hold on, let me hit my music. Blurred notes. Blurred notes. Okay, so Blurred Notes here, we talk about a little bit of comic books and comic book movie news, TV news. So, letter B. um, Coke and Dagger, the preview came out, the trailer came out for the TV show that's coming up on Speedform here in June. Um, And it looks pretty decent. Uh, Marvel TV on a little bit of a run here on Freeform and then on Hulu for The Runaways. Uh, Brother Beavis, did you see the trailer, and what did you think, or what are your thoughts on Cloak and Dagger? I saw one from a while ago, and I don't know if they just rolled it back out or made a new one, but, um, you know, it looked like it was well-made. But what I have found is, you know, when these shows show up on, like, a, uh, on some of these more obscure networks, they sort of take the flavor of that network. And the fact that it's on Freeform is like a red flag for me. And it looks like it's going to be full of tween angst. Uh, so uh, I'm not excited. I ain't never met no tween named Tyrone, sir. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, Sam, man, you posted it actually earlier. What did you think of the trailer for Cloak and Dagger? Yeah, and that was one of the reasons I uh, sent it to you guys because I was actually finding myself somewhat interested in watching it. And just like I've even said, like when we found out that it was going to be on Freeform, which is, by the way, a horrible name for a network of any kind, um, I kind of was like, well, I probably won't be watching that. But um, I was uh, kind of impressed on what I saw. I mean, the special effects looked decent enough for a TV show. And um, um, I'm just, I am interested to see how they're going to tackle it. Uh, Cloak and Dagger. I I haven't read some Cloak and Dagger books. I haven't really uh, can't call myself a fan of it, but I do know enough about them to know the gist of what it is, and I am curious to see how that's going to work out. It probably will be just another tweeny uh, angst uh, TV show, but I'll at least give it a watch, at least the first uh, episode. I got yeah, burned I mean, by MTV. They came out with uh, 
series called The Chronicles of Shannara, which is another sort of fantasy series that could have been awesome. Yeah. And it was very MTV. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't. My, I've I've heard of that, and but I never saw it. Um, I saw oh, the I, trailer this morning, and I was like, you know what? This is this looks okay. I mean, Coke and Dagger are really obscure kind of Marvel heroes, so to speak. Um, the fact that they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it. Uh, but uh, to make them like kind of teenagery, it might sort of kind of fit the show and the network i don't know i mean i'll, I'll watch it uh I, I don't i don't have any you know it becomes like all right well who's going to be the villain because i don't know who the damn villain is um because who the, i mean who are they fighting against is it just going to be using their powers against you know uh unknown teenagers who are picking on them so then it becomes you know like a bastardized yeah. version of like the gifted you know what I mean? They pretty so, much rail against like evil drug dealers and pushers yeah. or some shit. Like, yeah, I mean yeah, the corporation, yeah. the man. They were basically just by the man. man. Yeah, yeah they're, they were street heroes, like low level street heroes. That's all you kind of had. Yeah, like you said, no no name, low level hero, uh, villains, uh, drug dealers, stuff like that. Teen, you know, street angst crap. So. All right. Yeah. So I mean, do your thing, Marvel. You know, get those coins. You know, Freeform used to be ABC Family. ABC Family would be owned by ABC. ABC is owned by Disney, and Disney owns everything. So, you know, connect all the dots and, you know, to quote Hutch, hashtag damn Disney. All right. The letter L. Uh, it was announced uh, yesterday, I guess, we were walking around, that uh, in one of the X-Men books here coming up, Kitty Pride and Serial... Um, I don't know. Uh, child molester Colossus are finally going to make their make their uh, freaking Woody Allen and Sunyi relationship complete. Um, so Kitty Pride and Wolverine, or Kitty Pride and Wolverine, Kitty Pride and Colossus finally making it legit, brother Beavis. Um, why now? I guess might be the question. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think any of us have figured out why Kitty Pride's getting a push. Uh, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know she's not a favorite of Brothers Comics. And it's funny that, like, she made a point of, like, keeping him at a distance when they first started X-Men Gold, and they're not a dozen issues into it, and they're not only back together but getting married. So yeah. I assume it's a publicity stunt, um, but I don't know who cares. I mean... Mm-hmm. Who, I don't know where the Kitty Pride fans are coming from. Is this the idea that they need to have sort of a couple, you know, as it used to be Gene and Scott for the longest time, and then it was, you know, Scott and the White Queen. Do they just need the couple that everybody kind of either looks up to or looks towards, Sandman? I think that might be it, because just like you said, yeah, there's always been the love girl couple, you know, for the longest time. We said Gene and Scott, uh, Cyclops and... Uh, uh, Emma, we're a strange couple, but uh, they were a couple for a long time. And uh, I think that's it. I think they're trying to, like, formulate, add that to the team so, you know, they can have angst and separate them. And when one's apart from the other one, they can worry us all to death and make us sick of uh, reading what they have to say. And so so uh, that might even very well be it. I mean, Is there a common cook marriage that has worked out? No. Uh, no. Uh, I, I, I maybe reading two Richards. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, but also, and it's a side part from that, too, that, you know, a lot of people now with the merger want to see 
um, Black Panther, you know, have Storm introduced in one of the Black Panther movies or whatever, and it's just like, um, did you read their marriage and whatnot? Because that was a, a, a farce on top of a farce. It was, didn't really not work out very well, and it was just a big publicity stunt, you know, because, hey, there's two popular black characters. Let's put them together. And that didn't work out so well. So um, uh, y'all know how we feel about Kitty Pryor on this podcast. She's getting a huge push, it seemed, over the last year and change. And uh, her marrying Colossus just doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. So, all right. Okay. So that's the L. Hey, man, the E. As Marvel's rolling out these Phase 4 movies, speaking of Black Panther, the Captain Marvel movie is finally, uh, it's already been filming, um, and uh, there's been some um, some leaked, not leaked footage, but some pictures of uh, the actress training, <laughs> learning about being a pilot and whatnot. Uh, it is that Nick Fury is actually going to make an appearance in this movie. What are your thoughts on the Captain Marvel movie, Brother Beavis? Does that make you, is anybody excited about that movie? Because it seems like such a weird character, even though she's very popular in the comic books. I don't think a lot of people even know who she is. Yeah, I, I, um, I think the other thing too is a lot of people were, you know, with people still hoping for a Black Widow movie, it's, you know, why, why did Captain Marvel kind of jump to the list? And I don't know much about her modern publication. We've covered Carol Danvers a lot. I think she's a good character. I I will I liked her when she when George Perez relaunched um, the Avengers. She was featured in there for a while as right. Warbird. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to do. And she's got one of those convoluted 70s pasts that I don't know if they're going to get into. They've said no, but who knows. Are they going to get into the Cree who haven't been touched on yet? So it seems like there's. It, it, it seems like it's coming in a way out of nowhere, and, and I don't know how much the next couple of movies might set it up to where it makes more sense. Do you think it becomes like an interstellar type movie in the Guardians of the Galaxy type of way, Sandman, because much of her history is definitely out in space. I mean, even now as a modern thing, I mean, essentially she's, you know, at Trickleson all the time and she's in space the majority of the time. Yeah, yeah, I think this is another step Marvel's trying to launch the cosmic side of their universe. I think um, you're going to get the Marvel, you're probably gonna get later on, uh, you're probably going to get Nova. Uh, you'll get more Guardians of the Galaxy, and now that they've got the rest of the crew coming back, you got Galactus, you got Fantastic Four. Who's, I mean, that's all they used to do was cosmic stuff. Uh, so I think they're trying to walk it out one character at a time and get her established now because she'll be a major player in it later on. Yeah. Uh, the kind of blurred nerd side of me is like, well, okay, so you'll have Black Panther and you'll have. Um, Captain Marvel. Um, go ahead and add um, America Chavez in there. We're halfway, you know, to the Ultimates movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd be really excited about that. Uh, I'm going to put in my application to play Blue Marvel. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I'm working on my, my, my audition tape. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, again, I don't know which version of this Carol Danvers is going to use. I'm assuming it's going to be the modern one. Um, and like I said, uh, is Rhodey going to make an appearance? Is there a romantic relationship going to be built there? You know, does she make an appearance? She has to, you, you have to think she makes an appearance in this Infinity movie in the summer, you would think, right? Yeah, they've already pretty much said that she's going to be in uh, Avengers 4, right? Uh, yeah. She's already filmed her uh, scenes in the movie. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. So she's going to be in the movie. 
Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it becomes like something like Hutch's like this. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, some of these movies or characters, like, I don't know. Have you reached a saturation point, brother? Um, not yet. Uh, I think okay. what I'm really interested in is if they close out this story, then what? Um, so, I, I, you know, they've said they're sort of, you know, they're going in a different direction for Phase 4. So I'm curious as to what that is. Is it just starting another 22-story arc? Are they going to start to sort of, you know, make these less connected? I don't know. I, I, I'm not at all burned out. Um, I don't necessarily go to all these the first night they come out, but many of them I sure. do. And um, no, I mean, I'm curious. I think I think they're at risk of burning out. I'm curious to see yeah. what changes after Infinity War, but I'm I'm still in. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm about there. Yeah, I'm not uh, uh, the super negative person that uh, as, uh, my brother is, but uh, I do think like after a while, like we're getting to like we, you are getting into characters that are like, man, this is really like you know really kind of like way down the list here about uh you know people that I'm supposed to care about. So, all right, hey, R. Um, sadly for some, there will not be a Snyder cut for the Justice League. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of fan petitions online that they want to see Zack Snyder's definitive cut of the Justice League movie. You know, he had to bail out near the end for a personal tragedy, and so fans want to see what is his definitive his definitive vision of what that movie was. Because if you remember some of the trailers, there was so much stuff filmed um, between uh, Superman in his black costume, all the intro stuff was. Um, uh, what cyborg with his football injury and all like so much stuff that was filmed that never made it into the movie. So saying, man, uh, do, would you be interested in the the, the definitive Snyder cut? Because you saw the R-rated Batman versus Superman cut, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be interested in seeing it. I don't know what was it. I don't know if it was R-rated, but it was damn sure longer. But uh, <laughs> the, the problem with that was it didn't solve anything as far as the stupid crap that didn't make sense. The, the Martha problem was still in there. The <laughs> Lex Luthor plan was still in there. The stupidity of both the heroes was still in there. It didn't change anything. It just made it longer. So, I mean, yeah, I would watch it. Um, but the, the problem that Zack Snyder seems to have is that he just um, tries to add time to the movie, and it doesn't always uh, benefit the movie. It just adds more time. So, um, mm-hmm. I would watch it, but I, I think it would probably be something similar to the BS uh, extended cut, whatever the hell they call it. Brother Beavis, uh, you, would you be interested in seeing a different version of that movie, or you're good? Uh, yeah, I, I'd be interested in seeing a good version of that movie. If it exists. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That Sometimes I come out of those movies and I'm like, I need to see that again just to figure out. Like I'm, I'm still on the fence about do I go see the Last Jedi again? But Justice League, I don't, I don't know. There was just so much going on, and the villain was so lame. Uh, so I, lame. Yeah, I just, a Justice League fan. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm, you know, a DC hardcore fan, I should say. It's yeah. really. Now, I have to say though, if you think about it, so that movie was about them chasing three MacGuffins with a big scary villain and fighting a bunch of aliens all over the world. So what do we know about the Infinity War thus far? There's six MacGuffins they're chasing, fighting a bunch of aliens all over mm-hmm. the world. So 
so I'm getting a little nervous. Uh, yeah, well, but in the, but in the same breath, saying that it's not like Marvel hadn't laid down a, a solid foundation True. to get to this point. Yeah, I mean they yeah. they really earned every moment of this uh, for all of us. Or they've earned it, and we've earned the ability to see it and geek the hell out over it. So, like I, I right. hear exactly what you're saying, and. You know, and maybe that movie becomes a big old globbly goop of a mess too, because there's going to be so much going on. But at a point, they 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 earn that movie, and you know, and that's why I think there's a different level of excitement for it. So I'm, I'm good. So I'm I'm happy about that part. But I would not bother sitting through another Justice League uh, cut. I have seen it a second time uh, by Nefarious News, and um. <laughs> I think I I enjoyed it more from the comforts of the home than I did in the movie theater. Um, like, I, and I don't know why. Maybe just because I like I don't know why. I'm not saying that it was good or better. I just enjoyed it more. You know, maybe it was slowed down a little bit. Wasn't the high hype of having everybody around me while I was watching it. I don't know. But I enjoyed it better the second time. But it's it's still kind of butt cheeks. Um, it's so freaking fast like it's just over like it's two hours it's like they're oh, yeah, by the way yeah we introduced all these characters and a villain and we're gonna have a super fight scene and yeah the movie's over it's like whoa that's, that was two hours like that like so that. yeah wow all right uh our last blurred note uh the uh ant-man versus wasp speaking of movies that's got some people on the <laughs> that are laid down on the uh on the totem pole here Ant Man versus Wa- or Ant Man and Wasp. Uh, Marvel supposedly branching out into romantic comedy uh, comic book movies. Uh, the first Ant Man was a, a heist movie, essentially. Uh, Brother Beavis, do you think it's possible to have a romantic comedy and comic book? Um, I yeah, and I I I have to admit I've sat through many a rom com, and not all of them are <laughs> terrible. Some of them are pretty good, so I, I'm not turned off. I'm not scared away by the concept of a rom-com, and it, Paul Rudd is a, definitely a veteran, so a veteran of that genre more so than superhero. So, yeah, why not? Um, it could be a bad idea, but I, you know, this is their. I think this is part of the strategy is, you know, try and not just roll out the same movie and over and over, and and it gets harder once they've got through the um, the origin stories. Now they have to start, you know, kind of treading new ground and that's where it tends to fall apart so this is their strategy to kind of keep it fresh and yeah i don't know how many i don't know how many different kinds of movies they're going to cycle through but i'll do a rom-com sure okay yeah you got to start to wonder like okay ant-man and wasp really their biggest villain is ultron which we've already seen and disposed of so sandman is i mean who could they possibly be fighting in ant-man and wasp I have no idea. Like, um, we got um, Giant Man is supposed to be in this one, right? Uh, Bill Foster, uh, I believe, yeah. or is it Goliath? Yeah, or is he Goliath? Hey. I can't remember. Yeah, he's gonna be a comics favorite. Yeah, yeah, Black yeah. Goliath. Yes, he's, he's going to die. Yeah, but, he's gonna um, die. Yeah. <laughs> they better not. I don't even want to go on it. They better but, kill um, I don't know who they're gonna fight. They're gonna have to like figure out a little bit of. Low-level Avengers villain? I don't know. I really have no idea because you know Ant-Man and Wasp, obviously, and the Ant-Man I'm used to is the um, Pym version, but you know Pym is the mentor in the MCU version. So um, 
I have no idea. Um, I mean, I'll I'll give Marvel a, a little bit slack, a little bit of credit because they are trying to change things up and uh, keep things fresh. They usually come up with something, and uh, we were already talking about how uh, that's how they're going to keep these things from getting uh, stale. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what they do. They have to do subgenres in a lot of these movies. So I'll watch it. I like okay. the first one. Yeah. They're going to fight yeah. the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, you oh, know what? Wow. And that's uh, and that's <laughs> going to come up here again, uh, which I got uh, plenty to say about it. Yeah, the Wrecking Crew. Oh, Lord. Anyway, all right. So that concludes Blurred Notes. And let's get straight into our recaps. Um, the first recap I'm going to take right off the top uh, is the Worlds Collide uh crossover between the Avengers and the um, champions. Uh, that series, uh, much like the Mojo series in X-Men Blue and Gold that we reviewed, is like a solid three issues too long. Um, you know, we reviewed the first few issues on the podcast, and uh, it was just starting to drag. And one, that you know, they used the high evolutionary as a villain. Two, you know, we had the champions in there, which, you know, each of us is a little bit weary on. But essentially... Um, the high evolutionary, he um, evolutionized, word play, <laughs> he had evolutionized Viv and turned her human. You know, that was her, high, that was her ability to, to change, and her highest form is that he changed her into human. And they go into, um, the, they get the worlds to not collide in terms of being able to switch in between the planets, and um, she has to sacrifice herself and she winds up on a different plane of existence of some sort with the high evolutionary after they banish him to the same place. And Viv, or excuse me, Vision is so upset by losing his daughter, um, he starts tinkering, trying to make another one. And people are like, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Um, and then the champions are all completely upset. Nova's like, oh, I'm quitting the team because we all miss Viv, and there's lots of tears. And uh, it's... It, <sighs> It's the champions. I, I mean, I think we reviewed this book a, a couple of times. Like, it's just the champions, and it's kind of weird and kind of teenagery and whatever. But he, you know, he makes his version, and then the high evolutionary and Viv are on this planet. And the high evolutionary, his his highest form is to turn essentially into data. And <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm gonna change. Yeah, I'm gonna change you into that too. And it's just like a whole convoluted story where eventually her essence gets transferred back to Earth, and then now we have, and then Vision makes his version at the same time. So now we have uh, Robot Viv and Human Viv, and now we have two, two Viv. <laughs> yeah. Now we have two Vivs. So there you go. Any, any, any thoughts on that, Brother Beavis? Why do we have to have two of everything? <laughs> yeah. I guess it comes down to what do you think about Viv? Like, if that's, you know, I, I mean, I didn't read that Vision book, although I yeah. heard it was very good. Yeah. But, like, it depends on how you figure, you know, how, what do you think about that character? And, you know, I mean, it works perfect for the champions. We definitely don't need two of them. And we probably don't yeah. need a human one either. Yeah, I mean, I I think the Vision's awesome. And I think the idea of him having an android family, that's fine. I think, you know, if you've got to have a team, a team full of teenagers... Sure, put put a teenage lady vision on there, but why do we need two of them? They've got like two itis, like every you got two of every single character. Yeah, it's getting old. Get a new and plot the purpose, line. 
Yeah, and the purpose, I thought, of Marvel Legacy was to start to restore at least the traditional heroes, and we still haven't seen that, as we'll get through here in some of the books here soon enough. But, you know, I mean, the, and, it, and it's so funny because now, and we'll probably come up on a, a later episode of this podcast, is that now the, they've moved on to the next adventure, like for the Avengers. It's like it's not like, you know, like an issue like here and there. It's already on to the next thing. I, I forget what it's called. But they're already, you know, they got all the Avengers teams that are out there, you know, like the A team, like all of the Avengers teams are all together, and the world is also now all messed up again. Somebody like took the Earth away. It's like someplace else. So I'm just like, I need a break. Like again, can I get a breather? Like, is there a little breather story? Um, because there's too many, you know, like world changing events, like right after the one another. So um, yeah, but that was Worlds Collide. It it could have been better. And it was probably would have been a better story if it was probably four issues instead of six. So that's my conclusion. All right. Speaking of classic heroes, we're going to move into Captain America 676. Um, who might get a chance to read that one? Mm, I didn't. No? Okay. Uh, if you remember 675, that was the relaunch for Captain America coming back into the world. Uh, there was a little story where he's driving through Kansas or something of some state or city or whatever, and he winds up there. It was the Captain America, we love you parade, and everybody loved Cap, and then their fake Hydra group tried to take over the parade, and he came out, and he beat everybody up. So the first yeah. two issues of, of Captain America have really been um, like kind of standalone issues. And this is him reintegrating himself back in after the whole, you know, cubic state. And um, this issue is no different other than the fact that it actually has a named villain. And the named villain in this one is Craven the Hunter. Uh, so this is by Mark Wade and Chris Samney. It's drawn in that old school kind of comic book style. Once again, Cap is at a bar or someplace and he gets, um, he's shooting pool and some lady comes up to him and he's like, hey, I got you by the balls now. Sorry, brother. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's an old joke and so um <laughs> so he gets drugged he wakes up in craven's um uh mansion and essentially he set up this you know kind of thing like hey you got to get from point a to point b and if you make it there then i'll honor the point i'll honor your our deal and i'll let you go and, you know, but of course you know it's craven he throws in some wild cards where he has a you know a human in there that cap has to to save also, and, you know, that person's scared, and, you know, walk where I walk, and don't set off the booby traps, and there's tons of booby traps in this whole thing, and, you know, they get from point A to point B, of course, the, the human is a mark, and he tries to kill Captain America at the end, he couldn't do it, and, um, uh, you know, Cap sniffed it all out, and there's a little battle between him and Craven, and essentially it winds up, you know, Cap defeating Craven, obviously, and but he falls into some water and now I was just thinking about this before I tell you to end. Um, Captain America can beat everybody's ass but ice. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker cannot defeat an ice cube for nothing, man. Uh, so Cap falls in the water, and then the fake Hydra group from 675 hits him with a uh, like a frozen like weapon and freezes him, and then that's the that's the end of 675. Like that's essentially it. So it leads to a couple of questions: Why can't Captain America defeat ice? And but two, <laughs> like how do y'all feel about Craven the Hunter? Now, I didn't. First off, did y'all know Craven the Hunter was alive? Because the last time I saw that nigga, he blew his brains out in the last hunt. 
So that was nineteen eighty yeah. something. Yeah, I did not. Yeah. Okay. Same. Okay, yeah. Well, he's alive. Um and apparently he was hired by these fake Hydra people to uh attack Captain America. So yeah, it uh, I mean it was actually a really good book. Do y'all think though it, is does this work better for Captain America doing these kind of like individual issues of well not individual but like these kind of smaller stories instead of being this global focus or does he need to be like an Avenger leading the team, brother B? I think there's way too many of these global world ending stories and, and actually getting back into some smaller stories where it's just a hero and a villain with sort of modest goals fighting. I, I, I think that they've had to like up the ante so many times. It's like everything is the end of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. it just, it's yeah, I, I would much rather see smaller stories at this point. Okay. Sam, man, what do you think? Should Cap be leading the Avengers or, you know, leave it to the champions, so to speak? Um, yeah, I, I agree with Beavis. I think it's better to uh, have some more down-to-earth stories. I'm not talking all the time. I mean, obviously, they, the Avengers have to be the Avengers, and he's a, mainly the leader. But um, it's it's nice to see individual stories about, yeah, the Earth's not, Earth's not blowing up all the time, and he can just do his own thing sometimes alone. You know, it's uh, it's not a bad thing, and they've gotten away from that. Uh, yeah, and all these ridiculous crossovers and <laughs> stories we don't really care about and um yeah, and, uh, yeah so no yeah, i'm good with okay did y'all can y'all ever remember a craven and captain america story because it Never. seems like they would be natural like it's like a natural kind of uh like fight or a good fight yeah. i can't remember them yeah, ever he's, crossing the table. he's he's more of a yeah he's a villain that would be more suited to fighting captain america it seems like than yeah. spider-man strangely enough you know because it doesn't really make sense that Spider-Man and Craven are enemies. I don't know, right. in my opinion. But, yeah. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got that Hitler look. It just kind of made sense. Um, you know, he should probably be fighting against Captain America. But, yeah, that was a really good book, actually. It was it was fun. It, it made a lot of sense. It, was, it had a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that was the end of it. And that, that's the part I think I enjoyed the most, that it made sense. All right. I'm going to check Move. that out. Yeah, that's a decent one. Um, all right, let's move on to Marvel 2-in-1, uh, the relaunch of this book as a popular book that was through the 80s. I don't know if it made it into the 90s, uh, but a real popular book. Um, usually it was starred like The Thing, if I'm not mistaken, in the 80s, uh, where it turned into like The Thing and somebody else. And so now this was Marvel 2-in-1, The Thing and The Human Torch. Uh, so, Brother Beavis, you read that one. So let's, uh, let's tell me about Marvel 2-in-1. Yeah, so uh, the the initial focus is on the thing, and he's sort of delivering this eulogy of sorts about the Fantastic Four um, at a awards ceremony, and then uh, we have a we have an appearance from Piledriver of the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for getting no apparent beat, reason. Yeah, and getting beat the fuck up too. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. stomped immediately, <laughs> and. Uh, but we also have an appearance of Spider-Man, a longtime Human Torch friend. He lets uh, lets the thing know that that Johnny's not doing too great. And by the way, uh, I guess Spider-Man's not in the Baxter Building anymore, but he has like the key to their warehouse. So Ben goes and he has a he finds you know he has an encounter with Doctor Doom, 
who had found this little communicator pod or whatever that had been left for Ben, and he's trying to not be a dictator, dictating Despot a-hole anymore. So instead of trying to crack it, he turns it over to Ben. They have a scuffle, of course. but uh, And so Ben Ben opens it up and gets a message from Reed. Reed had left all these contingency messages, and this is the one for if they're no longer anywhere in the universe. And so he, uh, encourages, he encourages Ben to take care of Johnny. And uh, so Johnny, we see him, he's like running races and trying to get himself killed. He flies up into outer space and falls back. So they make it look like he's got a death wish. And ben confronts him about it, and he actually says, no, I'm losing my powers. I'm just trying to test myself. And so sort of to give him something to do, even though all the evidence is that Reed is gone, the thing tells him, no, Reed might be around. We need to go find him. So he's basically kind of concocting this story to get to get Johnny to come along with him. And uh, the, the, the tagline for the next issue is Monster Island. That's where they're supposed to go to find some multidimensional thing that Reed left for him. And Doom is on the cover of that one, too. So I don't know if it's going to be three-in-one or he's just going to be a remote player or whatever. But, you know, it was, um, you know, it's a setup, so you don't, you know, there's not a whole lot going on. But the one thing that occurred to me, well, I, I, I would say Johnny's got a pretty sweet costume, which I think is a holdover from his time in the Inhumans. But yeah. the thing is really like should be more of a central figure for Marvel than he is right now. And I think he's like probably the best big man in Marvel. Um, I know Hulk has been sort of the face of the franchise for a while, but Hulk uh, has a very few useful stories to tell around him. The thing, you know, it would be good to get him back in the fold. So, so from that perspective, it was kind of worth reading. It's really just a setup, nothing going on. The art was good. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what it was. All right. Yeah, one of my notes is um, Jimmy Chung, I think his yeah. name is. That wrote that he could draw his ass off. Holy crap, that book is there's, beautiful. There's a real like John Romita Jr. field of some parts of it, like that yeah. sort of lininess. That yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I I yeah I enjoyed this one too. Um, I thought um, yeah, I mean, look, especially now that the merger has gone through, you know that they're going to bring the Fantastic Four back. You know, the rumor has it for much of the longest time that Marvel was squashing anything that of properties that they didn't own. That's why you didn't get a lot of new X-Men characters. Um, and in the Fantastic Four, they killed it after ex- issue 600 and something. Maybe it was issue 600 that they killed the book. And it's been gone for uh, roughly three or four years now. Uh, yeah. And the last time you saw um, Reed and Sue is that they were actually, you know, out creating multiverses um, at the end of Secret Wars 3. So I'm sure they're coming back into the fold. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes for them to get to that point. But, uh, you know, I'll welcome the Fantastic Four back. You know, that book has always been sometimes where it's like, man, I really enjoy this book. And then sometimes they put people on it that I don't think understand the characters, and the book can can become kind of... um, I don't even know how to describe it. Not besides, not good. Like it just does. It becomes very uninteresting. So I mean, I don't know. Are you a fan of the Fantastic Four, uh, Sammy? Yeah, I was um, because they had that cosmic adventure side to it. I mean, they were on Earth a lot, then they were on you know in the cosmos and in different universes. It's a fan. No pun intended. Fantastical book. It's um, (laughs) it's very much science fiction fantasy. 
And uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times some of these books kind of get away from that. A lot of uh, uh, superhero uh, books are based on science fiction, um, fantasy, and, and uh, they get lost in doing these other things. And I thought that it always did that really well in Fantastic Four. And because of all these things with the movies and the rights and all that crap, Fantastic Four kind of got caught up in that tug of war and um, Marvel straight killed it all. And um, it, I think that missing from the Marvel Universe, I think that really needs to come back. Um, they need to do things smarter because I understand what you were saying about the book just wasn't done well sometimes because they did have a, a, a lot of blase uh, um, arcs, I want to say. You know, John yeah. Byrne did a very famous arc. I think, uh, uh, did George Perez do one? I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he did. Um, and you know, it was kind of a drift outside of like, yeah. some of these bigger names. And um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they need to bring it back. Okay. I yeah, I, I think that when when the book gets goofy or um, I don't know when it gets weird, it focuses way too much on Reed and Sue's relationship, and it yeah. takes it into like this thing that doesn't. It takes away. It takes. It makes it too real life, and like they much do much better when they're you know going through you know multiverses or uh you know and fighting these villains that are you know kind of big and weird, like a nihilist, and, you know, like, they, those things, like, work for that book. When they take it to a different level, it makes the book all goofy, and it doesn't, it just makes, I don't know, it's just a weird book, because then you start thinking, like, okay, dude can stretch, dude is invisible, and dude is a rock. Like, I don't want to think like that. Like, I want to see him fighting against, like, crazy stuff, so, uh, yeah, all right. Okay, good book, though. I would That one I would highly recommend, actually. Uh, I'll definitely looking forward to issue two and to see where that one goes. All right. Let's jump into something that, that when I had pro- proposed it initially, and we're going to spoil it a little bit probably, um, is the Phoenix uh, return. And I think it's Phoenix Resurrection, uh, the return of Jean Grey. Uh, just the background stuff is that Jean Grey, the adult Jean Grey, is coming back to the Marvel Universe. It was announced a few months ago. We talked about it on this podcast as well. Um, and then she's actually getting her own book at the conclusion of this, uh, which is going to be X-Men Red. I uh, thought they were going to put all the redheads in there, you know, like her, Prestige, um, Andy Dalton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, Howdy Doody, uh, but it's not. Uh, we'll, and I'm sure we'll deal with the book when it comes out. But they come up with this story of entering or re-entering Jean Grey back into the Marvel Universe and trying to figure out how they're going to do it because they can't put her in a cocoon at the bottom of the ocean anymore there's some reason to have to or some way to get her back so the book has been coming out weekly it's actually on issue number four which i believe came out this past wednesday and I, it might be a five-part series um we're going to review issue one and then kind of spoil some of the other stuff that goes in between it so uh, i read it who else read this one i read it yeah yeah what were your initial thoughts saying man just before we get into the book Eh, you know, it was one of those alternate universe, okay, the, the character that we're talking about. In this reality, everybody else uh, uh, related to this character is knows of, uh, of said character, but they're separated for some reason, and there's just a lot of strange stuff that's happening, and you know, they're going, you know where it's going to lead. They're, they're going to come across each other. It's just how they're going to get there and what's going to happen. After and 
I thought. I mean, I thought it was okay. Uh, but yeah. you know, then now <laughs> uh, I believe what Magneto shows up in issue three. Well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. But, yeah, that's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. We know where it's going. Let me put it that yeah. way. Yeah, had a very um, uh, Twilight Zone feel to it as I was reading it, brother. Beavis, what did you think about it initially? Yeah, it's it's just it, this is just classic, uh, classic Redcon. current day <laughs> event storytelling. It, it's the yeah. same construction as the Mojo story we just read. You split yeah. it into three teams. You fight right. hordes of sort of twisted villains from days of X-Men past. And then there's this sort of part of the book that doesn't make any sense until the very end where they explain it. You know, I'm assuming in issue five they'll explain to you what's going on in this diner. So right. this, is, yeah. this is just like, yeah. I'll read the yeah. Wikipedia entry five That's issues what? later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can get to the point of if you believe Jean Grey can come back or should come back or not. I mean, I'm a fan of it. I, she should have never died to begin with. But again, the only people that they really held on to people that are dying in Marvel comic books and trying to keep them dead are Gwen Stacy and Jean Grey. It's like, well, you know, we brought her back, but we're going to kill her again. Like, it was just, it, you know, she should, probably should have never, yeah, they probably should have never died to begin with, and that's perfectly fine. Like, you know, bring her back and let her stay back. Like, don't kill her again at this thing and whatever yeah so um this book starts off with some weird goofy thing that happens in um with jean's initial using of her powers uh where the little girl gets hit by the car and jean goes into her brain and there's some other kids there and a little kid jean's there and then it's like the kids are floating in the air and like brother beaver said you know the x-men show up uh my <laughs> my my biggest thing there <laughs> flipping through the book <laughs> and looking at that <laughs> sorry when they show up, uh Wolverine old man Logan is drinking coffee. I was like, Fuck, even Wolverine needs coffee. So um <laughs> <laughs> I was like, seriously? Um uh, but yeah, so they show up, uh and it's the X Men gold team, it's Colossus Kitty, uh Prestige, Storm and Old Man Logan. And uh um, Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler, yes. Taking taking care of uh, Prestige, and something's wrong with her, and they're not really sure, so they convene all the X-Men teams together, X-Force, uh, and then they split them up, and then they put the leader of each team is generally not um, the leader of the teams in general. I think Old Man Logan is leading X-Force. Um, who was leading X-Men Gold? Uh, Rogue, no, Rogue was leading, Rogue was leading X-Men Blue. And then I forget who was leading the gold team. Um, and it was like, all right, yeah, you know, there's three places where things are happening. We're going to go to those three places and, you know, kind of see what's there. And then, you know, again, they fight some. But they're fighting the, the Hellfire Clubs, old, like, vibranium. Looks uh, like it, yeah. Yeah, those heroes. And then, well, they were in France. Uh, and they were fighting those guys. And uh, I don't even remember the other ones. That Seamus was made an appearance for X-Men Blue. I was like, Seema's been dead since the 70s, man, I thought. Uh, maybe the 80s, I guess he was back. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, shoot, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, it, they, yeah, they go, they fight these people, and then at, after they vanquish them, they all look into the sky, and it's like, what is that big, you know, orangish-yellow thing? And then it switches to this diner scene, and Gene is working there at a diner. You know, I thought it was, I was like, 
I thought it was Alice, man. I was I was waiting for somebody to say kiss my grits, and um, and uh, she's there, and she's like looks like a college age student, maybe even high school almost. I'm not really sure. Uh, and she's living with her parents, and she goes home, and she's not feeling well, and they're gonna have dinner. And she's like, well, your dinner guest is at the door, and bing bong boom, she opens the door, and it's Cyclops or Scott Summers, who is also. <laughs> Yeah, so now I'm curious, are they going to bring him back to Rutherford? I don't know, because as you go forward, it seems like they're, you know, it's almost, it, they, this could be part of the story where they're like in purgatory or whatever. I don't know. It's it's just going to be some bullshit until issue five, <laughs> and then they're just going to be like, oh, why, I can't believe that you didn't figure that out. It was all in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is bullshit, and just give us Gene back and go back to regular stories. Yeah. <laughs> this is a time where it's just like, you, could put, you could just put the person back in there, and, like, nobody would even question it after yeah. a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Gene's back. Okay, cool. I must, I'm, yeah. I must have missed that issue. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Because comics. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've read ahead as well. I didn't read the newest issue or whatever, but I mean, it is just, it's meandering along at a certain pace that just is what it is. Uh, you know, like, okay, can we get to the end of this already? Yeah. Magneto did show, show up and he's messing with her too. It, it's just, I don't know. I, when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is kind of like the first issue. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And the cliffhanger was cool. And I was like, all right, well. What's happening next? And then now it's just like spinning its wheels and nothing's really happening. And we still got one more issue to go. So, yay, Gene's back. And I'd be more interested to see actually at this point if they're going to try to bring Cyclops back because it seems like that they're kind of hinting around that too, to bring back adult Cyclops. And kind of when we get into Inferno, it'll really be curious as to which version of Cyclops we're going to get back if he comes back. Yeah. Because it's really like fucking Pet Cemetery. Because if he can't come back any worse than when he went in the dirt. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's an I think there's an acknowledgement that they have over Cyclops who Man. many decades, and they're, I don't know if they're trying to do well by him now, but they're trying to do something, and I think Man. he's coming back. Yeah. How bad could, how bad could Pet Cemetery um, Cyclops be, <laughs> brother? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, uh, like, and, give me that glove, Thanos. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> man, I don't know how his father, so his mentor. Yeah. God Almighty, it's really bad. Uh, so, all right, okay, so that's that. And our next X books before we move into the Throwback Thursday is the Rogue and Gambit book. Now, Rogue and Gambit getting a, I would assume, a limited series. How many issues? Who knows? And that, that's something else too. You know, and I think we've probably talked on, uh, touched on this before. It's like, why don't you just call them limited series anymore? They don't really do that unless it's an yeah. event. You know, like yeah. a Rogue and Gambit book, they don't have three years worth of stories in them. They just don't. It's just, nobody's going to stick around that long. But if you told me, like, oh, this is going to be a six or an eight-issue limited series, you know, that would make me more apt to at least, you know, think about buying it. You know, the fact that you're going to just leave it open-ended, you know, again, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I'm perfectly fine. Like, you know, this story arc that's in this book, which is also a, a very nicely drawn book, by the way, um, is, is you know, it's pretty cool. You know, uh, essentially there's a story with Rogue 
um, or Gambit's coming back to the X-Men. Uh, there's a story of uh, mutants on some island are getting uh, attacked and killed and something like that. By the way, mutants and islands, not a great idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really work out. Uh, if you're a mutant on an island, you may need to head to the mainland, wherever the mainland is. But um, You would have think they'd figure it out in giant size number one. I mean, the whole <laughs> island tried to kill them. Yeah, the whole island tried to do something and kill them, yeah. <laughs> Man, these islands be hating fucking mutants. Yeah. You, um, you know, there's no reason why they can't tell this story in <clears throat> Astonishing X-Men, right? Right. Yeah, there's there's no reason you can't shuffle the other four people off to the side for a few issues and tell this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, or B or B plot it while you're yeah. doing the regular book. Yeah, I mean it's fine as a B plot. There's no reason to make an an, an additional book. You know, um, I mean I hear exactly what you're saying, um, but yeah, Gambit returns to the X team. Um, he flirts with Rogue in the danger room. She gets all upset. Now, Rogue has lost, and now this is something else, too, that we don't know about, uh, maybe y'all do. Like, Rogue, as at one point, was in control of her powers, and now she doesn't have control of them. Anybody knew about that? That must be from her Avengers days. Yeah. And she's still an Avenger, too, for that matter. So, um, yeah, so she has control of her powers. She doesn't now. So when Gambit's flirting with her, you know, she can't kiss him or whatever. There's a mission to go to this island to find these uh, lost mutants or to save these lost mutants. And essentially, I was waiting for him to go ask about our mutant discount. Because <laughs> they're going to have to go. <laughs> what, Maybe we said 10%. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the movie is... Re- it really turns into fucking couples retreat if you've ever seen that movie before. Yeah. Um, they get sent off to this island. The, the best part of it is that she has this meeting, as much as I dislike Kitty. They have this meeting, and she's like, look, Rogue, this is going on in this island, you know, and we're going to need to infiltrate the island as a couple, and, you know, I'm going to send you and Gambit. And she's like, fuck, y'all, send you and Peter. Y'all get married and, you know, freaking whatever issues. She's like, yeah, I'm the leader, so, nah, y'all can do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably the most entertaining part of the book. Um, and so, yeah, so they get sent off to Mutant Island. Um, and uh, there's a whole bit in there about, like, you know, him being jealous that she kissed Deadpool or something. Yeah. And, again, don't know anything oh, about God. that. Didn't read it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, ah, all right, whatever. Um, they get to the island, and they basically decide, like, you know what? Hey, you know, we do got some issues and some problems. You know what? We need to work them out. Why not use this vacation? You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then the cutaway scene at the end of the issue was them, like, strapped to some table or whatever. And, like, yeah, well, I told you, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. You know, roll credits. That was the end. I mean, you know, just an entertaining book overall. You know, what you, you read that one, Brother B? Yeah. What would you think of that one? Uh, I, it's fine. I mean, I just don't know where it's going to come of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, go ahead. Uh, no, no, go ahead. I was, no, I was just, uh, I didn't read that one, so I was just okay. listening. Okay. <laughs> uh, 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 go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't cut you off. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I, I guess I'm kind of torn, like, I don't know. Like, they haven't <laughs> put in a villain yet, and you yeah. know that that's important to the story, and and I don't know if their romance needs to play out. I mean, it's, they've they've started and stopped. It's I mean I don't I don't know. I like the characters. 
I don't know where I don't know that it's going to go anywhere. So I have a hard time getting excited about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's totally understandable based on temps. You know, both of these characters. It's kind of funny. And again, it would have been at a time where I think most of us were out of the comic book game. You know, Rogue has been elevated to a certain level. Um, in the comic books, at least, where, you know, she was leader of, I think, that A-Force team, which they all the female Avengers. She's still an Avenger, um, you know, and Ro- or Gambit has turned into Shannon yeah, Tatum. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's really, you know, and again, not reading the comic books as consistently as we used to or whatever, like, he's really, like, just a bit player when they relaunched yeah. Blue. He wasn't even a thought in that. They had to put him in a whole other book, you know, and which wow. is fine, you know, and it's one of the better of the books or whatever. But still, it's like you know, he's such a, um, uh, like a a background character anymore. And I mean, we've been saying this too. It's like you know, I don't know that he's as popular as people think he is, at least in the comic books. Like you know, people love him from the X Men, the animated series. I don't think they really love him that much from the comic books in and of itself. So, good luck, Gambit. Uh, good luck with your movie as well. Um, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, good luck and see if that's ever going to happen there, sir, because that's not looking good. Oh, hold on. Sorry, my cat. Stop biting me. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So, let's go. All right. So, we go back to our Thursday throwback, uh, which is X-Men Inferno, as we start to wrap up this series. Um, again, our podcast has been cursed with X-Men Inferno. Uh, we've had so many starts and stops. We've probably been trying to finish it for, I would say, going on like six months. It's really just been something that's been difficult to get through uh, for us. Um, waiting for we... this podcast has been like waiting for the next George R. R. Martin book to come out. Uh, and uh, just as a preview, um, the Game of Thrones recap <laughs> podcast coming out <laughs> this weekend. Um, yeah, it's just it, yeah. It, and now that I'm like, now that we're finishing it, you know, kind of getting to the end before we get to the beginning, you know, it's not a bad story. It still actually holds up fairly well, uh, you know, in terms of some of the 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 late '80s, mid to late '80s stories. It actually holds up pretty well and has so many freaking tentacles of things that happen later on that, you know, that are still occurring in the books or whatever. So, I mean, it's not that. It's just, you know, whatever reason, man, we just couldn't get through this one in a timely manner. Um, So let's start off in X-Men 243. Um, The Goblin Queen is dead. Um, And it opens up on a beautiful shot with uh, Jean Grey holding the dead Madeline Pryor um, there. And, again, if I ever see any lady dressed um, as Madeline Pryor at um, a con, um, I'm never coming home. Ever. <laughs> just, so, just so you know, if there's any Goblin Queen cosplay, I'm never. You'll probably see a dude dressed up like Havoc in the Goblin Queen. Damn you! Yeah. I'm the Goblin Prince. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. Here comes. <laughs> Man, fuck, there's a whole name. All right, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chappelle joke. All right, so Madeline's dead. The Inferno is over. Um, they have defeated uh, Nastrith and all that, and the city, New York City, is returning back to normal. They are returning back to normal. Their personalities have been 
restored. Um, people are a little bit messed up about what actually happened. Um, Havoc is a changed person. We'll get to that later. Long shots, uh, luck has turned into bad luck. You've become black cat. And, um, you know, everybody's just kind of a little bit messed up about what had happened, mostly about Madeline having to die. And in that process, Gene is going to wind up um, getting into Madeline's brain and side, um, and Psylocke's going to link them all together to see what's going on and why whatever happened. And then it gets kind of trippy. Kind of kind of take us through that, Brother Beavis. The Sinister starts to wipe through her memories. Yeah, so the, the storyline is that, uh, you know, Mr. Sinister gets sort of an abrupt introduction here a few issues past. And we find out he's been involved since, like, the Mutant Massacre. But he's trying to keep his identity secret. And so with the Goblin Queen now now dead, uh, Jean has absorbed part of her memories, and so he is trying to psychically wipe out um, all memories of his interaction and all, all the memories of her existence. So I think Sandman asked, what, what is Mr. Sinister's powers at one time? So I guess I never really realized this because he's so ambiguous, but his primary ability is telepathy and, on, and mind control. And so he is... Uh, He's battling them on the astral plane or whatever, um, and just sort of one by one picking apart her memories. And so the X-Men sort of make contact with a manifestation of of uh, of uh, Madeline dressed up in various incarnations of Jean and try and convince her to help them sort of stop Sinister from destroying the rest of Jean's mind. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah, and it's you know, and it's and it's trippy, you know, and it starts to give you some of the reveals about you know things that are hinted about about Sinister plotting about the you know about setting her up, um, and then it also talks about you know in this issue and then more so into the next issue about how he was so involved in Cyclops's life, you know, how he you know created the orphanage, uh, which he you know that him and Alex wound up in. And, you know, when we get into X-Factor 39 that's coming up next, you know, um, he really manipulated the out of Scott Summers, man, uh, mm -hmm. to the point, yeah. you know, where I'm thinking, it's like, man, damn, maybe this is why he finally lost it. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, in the later current books, it's like, man, because he really messed up, dude, like, completely. And, you know, and he, he completely manipulated this kid's entire life. And, you know, you know the, the psychological aspects of it and, uh, about it, you know, kind of comes to light a lot in, um, in, in, the, in the X Factor book. But yeah, there's just some standard battle stuff in here too. Um, Sabretooth makes a reappearance um, and gets taken out by Psylocke fairly easily, which is kind of funny. Um, and, and that's uh, a throwback to a story with them where he that was like her induction into the X Men where she had to defeat him by herself or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 And then. Point. And then the other kind of the B plot that's going on is the restoration of Manhattan. Um, Beast has Apocalypse ship. Um, and again, if you've seen the X-Men, the animated series, there's a whole, th a whole issue devoted to Apocalypse's ship. And Beast is um, er, uh, um, sort of relationship, air quotations, <laughs> with the ship. <laughs> When the ship finally does go down, uh, he cries more than when Gene died. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a weird thing. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a weird story. And then all the other, you know, a lot of the stuff related to, you know, um, 
God, I forgot his name. What's the lucky dude's name? Longshot. Longshot, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and how he's kind of struggling about how he, because during the books he was in the previous books, he was really um, using his luck to make bad things happen to good people. Um, so he's all messed up about that. And we do get Blockbuster back. I did forget about Blockbuster. He made, but he's yeah. like a um, a mutated version of Blockbuster yeah. because Colossus but, killed the last one, right? Well, yeah, but he, he shows up on Sunday Night Wrestling and has the job to have it. <laughs> yeah, do an improved and, Havoc. Yeah, and that, and Havoc is yes, yeah, Havoc is definitely gone to the dark side. His time as the Goblin Queen has made him. It's ridiculous. Huh? Goblin Prince, you're right. Sorry, yes, Goblin Prince. He's um, <laughs> the shirts versus the blouses, man, because he's gotten hard as hell um, from his time being the Goblin Prince. He's like, man, well, you used to not even want to use your powers. He's like, well, them days is gone. Uh, it's a great onomatopoeia when he when he blows up um, Blockbuster. Zrack. Uh, so, and like essentially, like you know, blows a hole in him. And still sitting in there with his freaking eunuch uniform on, and everybody's like, "Wow, you never were—you were always afraid to use your powers." He's like, "Yeah, I've changed." Um, and is, is this the turn, Brother Beavis, where he starts to become like a real freaking man and not the pussy boy that we've seen in the last two hundred issues? Yeah, because he's well, actually, uh, it is only a short run until they go through the siege perilous, and then he emerges as. On Mad- uh, I said Madagascar, on Genosha <laughs> as the leader of the press gang. Um, mm, that's right. And then shortly after the conclusion of that story is when he becomes the leader of the new X Factor. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and as the book starts to roll to a conclusion, Sinister has housed himself inside Xavier's mansion because, of course, he would. When the X-Men get there, ooh, Storm's still worried about her plants. Hell, man, you ain't been there in years. You worried about your damn plants? They gone. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they get there, and then, of course, Polaris or Malice shows up, and they have this battle. They have a hard time defeating Malice or fighting Malice because of, uh, you know, Lorna's still inside of her and or the outside of her or whatever, so they really have had a hard time fighting against her. Um, but that's going to change here momentarily. Uh, and again, just a bunch of comic book, you know, kind of fights and battle stuff. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And, you know, the book, the issue ends with Sinister making a, a Ricky Mort, uh, uh, Robert Gibson hot tag to save, um, uh, Polaris. And he gets his final prize, which is really what he wanted was Gene Gray alive because he knows that the, the seed or whatever that is, that can come from Jean Grey is going to make a very powerful baby. The the clone made a very powerful baby in, in Nathan Summers. And, of course, if he has the original, he can make a much more powerful mutant. And that's pretty much it. And then the final page is Longshot is left alone to fight against um, Sinister. Uh, in, still in his booties, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, booties never go out of style. So, yeah, but I mean, he's got he's got thigh highs and booties. And booties, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, only Sinister could pull it off, man. Yep. You telling me you can't wear it? I didn't <laughs> say it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You telling me you can't wear that shit? Um, so, yeah. I mean, I mean, overall, you know, what do you think of that issue, Sam? Man, before we get to the I'm conclusion, 
as crazy and like you said, trippy as it was, it's one, it's drawn very well by uh by Yes, the, beautiful. Shout out to Moscow Silvestri. I love his artwork. Yep. And um it's a good issue. I mean I uh, um I'm damn sure tired of both Sinister and fucking Polaris. I mean, good God. I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, like uh I remember originally reading this, and I was like, "Well, damn, what the hell is Sinister? Because you just—he seems to just invent powers as he needs them sometimes. Like uh, we were saying before, he's nebulous as hell, but yes. um, mm-hmm. he damn sure is Sinister because he uses the amp everybody, everything he's done to Cyclops, the Marauders, using them to kill God knows how many mutants. Uh, so yeah, they—they've never even you know struck any kind of victory against this guy. But this is the first, well, it's the first time they've actually met him. So he's, Match them face to face, so this this was uh, quite of a uh, issue of revel- revelation too. So um, yeah. good issue, yeah. Yeah, lots of reveals in here, um, and then we get into X Factor thirty nine. Uh, hold on, I have to scroll up to my app here. I like the last page of Long Shot. Yeah, him yeah. looking at them. Yeah, like what? I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and before I get into the X Factor book, there is a moment there where Gene is like, "No, oh, this motherfucker is evil. He got to be killed." Like, yeah. you know what you're saying? Like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm saying. This motherfucker got to die. It wasn't like, well, you know, we could capture him, and you know, maybe he could be changed or whatever. Like, nope, nope, he needs to die. Um, and again, you're not expecting Gene to be the one that's saying that, but um, she did. She said that shit. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> X Factor 39, uh, written and drawn by the Simonsons, and then we open up on that same shot where it's long shot versus the world. All the X-Men are all sprayed out and, you know, not dead, just unconscious. And, um, you know, the book just kind of goes from there. He he attempts to fight um, and gets a little bit of offense here and there, um, but really, you know, not much. And then Beast comes in with the uh, the hot tag, and then the battle begins as the X-Men start to wake up against Lorna, um, and it's really, you know, kind of battles all around, but the funny part it becomes is when Sinister turns on um, Scott, <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, so drop her, make me. No, I can't use my optic blast. He's like, why? Because you're a sissy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did dialogue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I say I freaking was rolling on the floor laughing at this when I read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me tell you, that's not a lie. I read this shit and I was like, did he just call him a sissy? Like, damn, that's crazy. It's like, first of all, ain't nobody called nobody a sissy in forever. Not even in 1980, whenever this was made. He's like, well, because you're a sissy, Summers, and you always were a sissy. And he's like, man, his words, the way he talks to me, like, I, 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 I I'm I so messed up. Like, he's, like, reliving all, like, all this bad stuff that he felt. And, you know, and this gets revealed in the book that Sinister, this, you know, just, I mean, what version of abuse would you call this, Brother Beavis? Um, psychological abuse? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Emotional. Yeah. yeah. And it's really bad, you know, and it's really bad, the things that he did to him. So no wonder old boy snapped, actually, later on. It, it makes a lot more sense now. But, yeah, they try to take on Sinister, and it doesn't really work, um, like, at all. Like, Rogue tries to take his powers, and she kind of does. He's like, he can't take my powers. I'm like a type A personality or something to that effect. <laughs> I got a big-ass personality. Fuck you. You can't take mine. Whatever. 
Um, I mean, it just doesn't work out. And then, like I said, you get a lot of the flashbacks of Sinister messing with him and uh, trying to get his powers to add. Yeah, it's, it's just really messed up. Um, but, yeah, we just go through the whole story. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. The, the conclusion of the story is, you know, all the X-Men have their powers, but they're not doing anything against Sinister. And for some reason, Sinister has blocked um, Cyclops from being able to access his powers. Um, and then they kind of figure that out. Well, there must be a reason why he can't do that and uh, why he didn't want Cyclops' powers is he might be vulnerable to them or whatever. And so um, Alex comes up with this plan to, you know, get him to use his powers. I mean, it, it, it really is a sissy. Yeah, call him a sissy. <laughs> Bitch ass nigger. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> that would have been a better book. Um, and then, um, and, and then there's the, the it's a throwback to the X Men the animated series too. You know where Sinister kidnaps them off their after their marriage or whatever. You know, and Cyclops is the only one that really can hurt him. You know, everybody does that. And he's like, oh my body. Ruckus. Uh, you know, so he gets taken to the ship or whatever. But I mean, it's really a you know, it's a you know that the comic or the the cartoon really kind of threw back to this. It was like he's really the only one that could actually hurt him. Now, it, there's a scene there too where now don't Havoc and Cyclops' powers cancel out one another. Isn't that a isn't that a, a story or some sort? Yeah, they don't, yeah. they they can't hurt each other, yeah. but they can like power each other up. Power each other up. Mm. Mm, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Lorna um, ties up Alex uh, again. Um, he's not whatever. But again, Sinus is just trying to get to Jean because he knows um, if he can get to her, he just wants to get all of her uh, her essence or whatnot. Um, there is a good scene when they all attack Sinister. It looks like a double goozle in there, Brother Beavis. Like yeah. they hit him on the on the legs, and then yeah. <laughs> Colossus is coming from the top. They hit him with the goozle. Um, and then it's just, you know, it's just in the, it's just a big old battle all around and, you know, long shot's luck. He's like, uh, oh, you know, I, I'm still bad luck. He does something. It doesn't work out. He thinks it's bad luck, but in the end it turns out to be good. And what am I missing here, brother? Well, um, the, the one thing you have to say about this book is the bottom half of, of whatever page this is where Cyclops finally uses his powers. Yeah. And yeah. that Im- that image has stuck with me for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, so the long shots play is like he he throws his one little blade at Sinister, which was that was what he did with Madeline to find the weak spot. Sinister deflects it, but it hurts Gene, and that pushes Sissy Boy Cyclops over the edge, uh, mm-hmm. and and he unleashes his powers in spectacular mm-hmm. fashion. Yeah, I I I. I capped that picture today um you know in pre you know on twitter and whatever tonight and that picture of Cyclops blowing out um sinister like that i put uh, when i haven't had sex in a few months because um, so. <laughs> <laughs> he just skeeted all over uh sinister and blew him all the hell up um so yeah uh, i mean great scene uh you know kind of a good finale to the book you see this and reading this back in the day, I was like, well, that's the end of Sinister, because I don't know how the hell you come, come back from this. And y'all really set him up pretty good, but he just blew him into a gazillion pieces. Um, 
But yeah, it didn't didn't work out that way. But yeah, um, I believe that yeah. is foot and ass plus pen attempt. Jeez Louise, yeah, that's for sure on straight sevens. And um, <laughs> you know, and uh, he's gone forever. Well, you know. Um, so, and then the book ends on you know, like it's essentially, all right. Well, what are we gonna do? Are invisible the sensors, and a lot of people still believe them to be dead. And then X Factor, you know, had their secret mission of, you know, secretly rescuing mutants, but really people thinking they're a mutant hunt squad. And now, you know, well, what are we going to do? Because this is the first time that the teams have been together. And really, some of these are like, they didn't even know that the other team was alive. Uh, and so, like, you know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How does the dream, how does Xavier's dream go from here? And, you know, essentially it's like, well, you find your path, we'll find, y'all, we'll find our own too. And then there's the, you know, in the split that it was. But, I mean, you know, good book overall. You know, I'm not a real big fan of the Simonsons or whatever, but or the the drawing. But you know, overall, you know, still a pretty good book, and uh, a, you know, and a decent conclusion. Like I said, like, overall, it it held up very well over time. So you know, finally, the conclusion of the Inferno. All right, Sandman. Twenty five years later, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I, I'll agree with you that the Simonsons, uh, his artwork doesn't really lend itself to this series for some reason. As good as it is on Thor, it fits Thor so well, it doesn't really fit the X-Men. It's weird. I can't explain it. But uh, yeah. I do it. Um, yeah, it's, Inferno was a batshit crazy damn art. I mean, even for a comic book. But still, <laughs> the fact that you have so many things in here, like the X-Men uh, meeting the, uh, reuniting with the original X-Men again, of course, having the Inevitable hero versus hero uh, arc, then fighting each other, and then finally joining together to fight the greater enemy and conquering him eventually. I mean, it's still decent, even after the, all these years of reading it, because I believe it's been since the 90s since I've read this shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, as crazy as it is, uh, it's, it was uh, good to see uh, finally Sinister taken down, at least for, I don't know, a couple months until he comes back, I guess. Spoilers, and um, um, it's a good book. It is. Yeah, Brother Beavis, the conclusion. Yeah, I think I think I finally kind of figured out why I didn't have much perspective on this until this recent reread, and, and I think it's just because it's you know it sets in with a lot of uh, the limbo stuff, which you really have to be into the new mutants to be following, and then. So much of the Madeline setup was very subtle, even though there were some, you know, blatant scenes put in front of you. The buildup was so subtle that was, you know, that was kind of hard to see coming. And then, you know, Sinister is just kind of dropped in, and then he's the, the villain. So you have, like, these kind of three segments of the story that come together. And so it was harder to follow when, uh, you know, I don't have the wisdom that I have these days, you know, to, to understand these complex stories. But what I like about it is, I think, ironically, it doesn't do much for the X-Men. Um, some people have some personality changes and whatnot, but it doesn't really move them that far. But this really resets X-Factor, which had been just a miserable book because yeah. Scott's self-loathing and, and Archangel. I mean, Archangel sort of gets his little redemption. Um, and, and, you know, they're all, you know, they can stop blaming Scott for, you know, everything he's done. And he can sort of let, let himself... You know, forgive himself for the whole battle and and really start up his relationship with Gene again. So, it brings X Factor into a good spot. New Mutants sort of they finally kind of got Ileana her story settled, and that you know was an arc for them. 
So I think it's a good payoff, but primarily for X Factor. Okay. Yeah, uh, it does turn the corner on that book. And like you said, it does finally reset like Cyclops to the Cyclops that we know and love. Although, again, not too long later, they're going to turn him into somebody that you don't know it again. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see if somehow they bring back that version of Cyclops. I did skip over the fact that, like, oh, Sabretooth, you're such a badass, and we'll oh, yeah. him out of, on, a, on a non-paneled screen fight there. Yeah. Like, Ugh. oh, yeah, I'm dead. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he went out gotten... X-Men Last Stand style. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Voldemort, dude. That's the movie that shall not be named. Uh, but, yeah, so pretty good. Like I said, decent conclusion. Uh, we'll be talking probably a little bit offline about trying to figure out where we go from here in terms of our throwback Thursday for X-Men stories, because is the Siege Perilous next? Yeah, and I don't uh, know if that's an arc or just a story or what. I, right. I can't remember how far that plays out over. Okay, so yeah, so we'll kind of be working our way through that. Uh, just as an aside to what you said about Archangel, um, Astonishing X-Men, the, the post-story with the Shadow King or whatever, you know, as Xavier has made his way back to, like, real Earth and off the astral plane. He's taken the body of uh, Phantom X, and, um, you know, he's, but he has, his, he has his telepathy powers, and so he's just granting gifts to people. He's like, hey, you know what, Archangel, boop, you're not the Hulk, Hulk Archangel anymore. You, you know, you have control of your powers. I'm like, oh, you want this? Okay, bam. And he's just doing that. And it's kind of weird, and the book kind of, again, took a very weird, goofy turn there at the end, um, but yeah, so you know, that's the Archangel story of him being evil and then getting good and being evil again and then being good and then being, you know, it's played out again from 30 years later, so um, yeah, so, alright, yeah, good conclusion, like I said, we'll wrap up the Inferno finally, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be done with this, and it was a good freaking story, I don't know why it took so long, alright, so that's it, that'll wrap up the Marble Hacks Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, remember, you'll be able to find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. Um, rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, remember, this podcast is part of the Brothers Comics Podcasting Network. Uh, these two gentlemen are also on another podcast. Uh, the uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, or Summer, I Know What You Did Last Winter, uh, our Game of Thrones recap podcast, which we also have an episode to try to get in this week. Uh, I am fully watched up on our episodes, by the way. How are y'all doing? Uh, I gotta catch up on some, but they're okay. good, so I'll yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm on five. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, we're do, reviewing four, but yeah, I, I think I'm on five as well. Uh, so that's looking real good. Uh, but you have that podcast. You have the Brothers Comics podcast, which is recording uh, this weekend as well. Uh, well, the intersection of Malika Salam uh, this week in the association with uh, myself and Will Stacks. Um, and then the Unmasked podcast with the ladies who do the recap of Mr. Robot. So uh, find a show, find your life. It all works out. All right. Um, oh, no, we don't do exit music on this one. All right. So the X-Men animated series music always plays us out. Uh, wow, that's it, guys. Uh, Sandman, remember, where can they find you? You know that you do the social media. They can always find me on Twitter at Sandman415. Drop me a line. We'll tell each other go to hell. Everything's good. That's right, and that's right. Brother Beavis is in the ether on the social media, but if you need to get to him, just go ahead and go to uh, Ask Me a Question. You can find me at the producer at Brothers Comics on Twitter, uh, at Brothers Comics on Instagram, at Brothers Comics on Facebook, uh, 
think that's all of them. All right, that's good. All right, so we'll wrap up this podcast, and um, we'll be seeing you guys for episode or issue number two next week. Uh, we'll be reviewing some uh, some new books here and there. All right, so Sandman, go ahead and sign off. Sign our whole mutants. We will see you next episode. All right, and Brother Beast, go ahead and sign off. Uh, see you guys next time. All right, everybody take it easy. Peace.